Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 76. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today, you're going to hear a really cool and interesting conversation with David Shanahoff Khalsa, who is an expert on using Kundalini yoga to address mental health issues. David Shanahoff Khalsa is the director of the research group for mind body dynamics at UCSD's BioCircuits Institute and a member of the UCSD Center for Integrative Medicine. Prior to coming to UCSD in 1994, he spent 23 years at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in La Jolla, California, working on the building blocks of the genetic code and pioneering novel studies in the neurosciences. He has discovered a novel step in the evolution of the nervous system that gives new insights to mind-body states and how to control these states. David is published widely in scientific journals, and he has conducted three clinical trials using kundalini yoga meditation techniques for treating obsessive-compulsive disorders and obsessive-compulsive spectrum disorders. And if you read his book, Sacred Therapies, you will be astounded at the amount of work that has been done by him to study how kundalini yoga can be used with mental health disorders. I certainly was. His three books published by Norton include Kundalini Yoga Meditation, Techniques Specific for Psychiatric Disorders, Couples Therapy, and Personal Growth. Kundalini Yoga Meditation for Complex Psychiatric Disorders, Techniques Specific for Treating the Psychoses, Personality, and Pervasive Developmental Disorders, and the book that I discovered him in, Sacred Therapies, the Kundalini Yoga Meditation Handbook for Mental Health. He has also written a book called Psychophysiological States, the Ultradian Dynamics of Mind-Body Interactions, which was published by Elsevier Scientific Publications in 2008. David talks about using kundalini yoga with various mental health disorders, and it's fascinating. I've done kundalini yoga, and I loved it, but I still love it, but I never thought that it had so much research to back it up. 
And as a therapist, this is totally fascinating to me. I hope you'll enjoy it too. Let's go ahead and not waste any more time. Let me let you listen to my conversation with David Shanahoff Kalsa. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, my guest is David Shanahoff Kalsa, who is from the University of California at San Diego Center for Integrative Medicine and an author and expert on many things that we're going to talk about today. So, David, really, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat. I'm uh, honored to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start off just by if you could talk a little bit for those who are listening about yourself and your work. Okay. Uh, I started off as a biologist type. I got into the neurosciences. And in 1974, I had my first opportunity to practice Kundalini Yoga. I was intrigued by it, but I had not heard much about it. And then the first time I did it, it had an overwhelming impact on me, and it led me to want to practice it on a daily or near-daily basis and to teach it as well and share it with other people. And since I was already a scientist, I then decided I wanted to get into uh, doing scientific studies on the concepts that I had learned and uh, also ultimately do clinical trials. So uh, that all started 42 years ago, and 40 years ago, actually, I started the scientific work. And I was at the Salk Institute at that time, and I left the Salk in uh, 1993, at the end of 93, and went over to the University of California, San Diego in uh, 1994, because we couldn't do clinical work on humans at the Salk at that time, because they didn't have the insurance to cover it. And actually, I had many more opportunities at the university. So it was a uh, a blessing to go across the street as it was. <laughs> so it, it's been, uh, you know, what now, 40 years of doing this kind of science. Yes, it's amazing because you have published so much about, I don't know all of your work that you've published, but I've seen an incredible number of articles about the use of kundalini yoga in mental health. And I was astounded to realize that. Well, my what I'm considered to to or what I'm best known for is for treating OCD obsessive compulsive disorders, and we've now done three clinical trials. The first was an uncontrolled trial, and we had fantastic results, but it wasn't controlled. It wasn't a huge population, but our results were probably better than anything else at the time. And that that study was done from '92 to '93, and it got published in '96 in NIH, the National Institutes of Health funded me to do a randomized controlled trial that went from 94 to 95. And in 96, we submitted it for publication. It took three years and eight journals later to get it published. That came out at the end of 99. And a few years back, I started another clinical trial with colleagues at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil. And there was a fellow from Yale and uh, Duke in this country and that's that trial we're writing that up right now so i really can't talk about the details of it but it, uh i'm very very pleased with the results that we have with that it's very exciting and i mean it's again just amazing how long you've been doing this i had not heard that there was this much research out there about the effects of kundalini yoga on various mental health disorders and 
I, I find it very exciting. So can you talk a little bit more about what Kundalini Yoga is for listeners who aren't familiar? Sure. That's a, that's an excellent question, and it's one that's not difficult to answer. It may be difficult to believe, but about 3,000 years ago, India was invaded, and what was being practiced, and now we call it Kundalini Yoga, had to go underground because the invader didn't want the population to practice something that was so powerful that would make them much more difficult to control and to exploit. So it went underground. And then in 1968-69, a yogi came from India and started to teach it all openly. His name was Yogi Bhajan. And um, in the 35 years that he was teaching, practically every class that he taught, he taught a different meditation technique. So he ended up teaching about 5,000 different meditation techniques and hundreds of different sequence-specific exercise sets that were all for different purposes, and as were the meditation techniques. And the meditation techniques, uh, many of them were useful, useful and discovered to be specific for treating psychiatric disorders. So it was in, in 1975 when I was a teacher, or, or in a teacher's training program, I learned a left nostril breathing technique specific for treating OCD. And I really didn't know what the disorder was at the time. And then in 1992, uh, I was invited by somebody at the University of California, San Diego, in the Department of Psychiatry that had seen some of my work and saw this one technique published and realized that it was specific. It was was taught or, or published as specific for OCD. And that's what led to our first trial. So there are techniques for, that are specific for addictions, impulse control disorders, bipolar disorders, depression, variants of, of anxiety. I've published a, uh, now four books, three of them collectively cover about 18 different psychiatric disorders. So all of the major psychiatric disorders are, are now covered with multi-part disorder-specific protocols. So it, uh, it gives me great pleasure to be able to share this kind of stuff with the, uh, our community and uh, meaning the West. I've actually also, in, in 2003, I was invited by somebody uh, who organized a symposium at the American Psychiatric Association on OCD. And so it was for innovative approaches for treating OCD. And so that, that was my first opportunity to present at the American Psychiatric Association. The next year, 2004, I submitted to do a 90-minute workshop. It was entitled Kundalini Yoga Meditation Techniques for Psychiatric Disorders. And then since that time, starting in 2005, I have now taught uh, 11 full-day, six-hour CME courses for the uh, continuing medical education courses for the American Psychiatric Association. So they're interested, they're open, they know that they need help. And if this stuff shows efficacy and that there's reasonable science behind it, I I think they'll continue to show interest. Yeah. So do you find that um, the psychiatrists who have taken these trainings are using kundalini yoga techniques with their patients? Uh, some of them do. I think probably a, a small percentage. I, I never get accurate feedback, but I know that there are a number of them that have taken it up, especially a number of psychiatrists in, in Europe that have kept in touch with me. But they, they primarily go to these courses so they can get their CME credits because they need to do that. 
but they also see that it's a challenge and it's probably something that they can uh, uh, best farm out to others and say, why don't you go try a Kundalini Yoga class or buy one of his uh, DVDs or uh, use his website. You know, I have that website now called sacredtherapies.com where there's a rentable video for treating PTSD and one for ADHD and comorbid disorders and we hope to load others in uh, the coming years. So uh, a lot of psychiatrists refer to me ultimately mm-hmm. when when they're not able to have success with more standard sorts of techniques or people find me on their own. Yes. So I found you through your book, Sacred Therapies. It's called the Kundalini Yoga Meditation Handbook for Mental Health. And that came out in 2012. I learned about it just recently. And I thought it was amazing because in the book, you describe exactly the protocol, the breathing techniques and I saw on your website how you have the videos. As I mentioned to you when we were kind of not recording, I work with people who have trauma and I was extremely interested in the the protocol for PTSD. How did you, did Yogi Bhajan explain the mental health disorders in Western terms when he was teaching? Actually, he uh, he did. He he used all of the Western terms, whether it was using terms like the hypothalamus or the sympathetic nervous system or the parasympathetic nervous system or the brainstem. He used very Western terms because I think he also had a lot of training in that area. Mm. And so what yogis really understood about how to make the brain work better, how to help it heal, how to help it develop, that's what meditation is really all about. It's, it's about activating the dormant regions of our brain to help us have greater creativity, greater potential, greater awareness, and a clear, more clear perception. Uh, and, of course, ultimately to live in a state of bliss, no matter yeah. what's going on in the world around us. It's, it's, it certainly helps. That is very true and something that many people are seeking right now. Right. I mean, typically people pursue meditation, and they have a very sort of simple and classical view of it, that they're just sitting still and trying to make their mind go quiet some way or another. I think that's what the general population at large believes meditation is about. Well, it's much more than that, because it's really, it's a technology. The techniques can, like I said, there were about 5,000 different meditation techniques that Yogi Bhajan taught. Each one of them is different. Each one has slightly different effects. Uh, and when people say to me, well, you know, I can't, I can't meditate. My mind is too noisy or I can't sit still long enough. If they're doing these kinds of techniques, these meditation techniques that are much more active, it keeps them occupied and then it helps to produce an effect where they gain much greater clarity, much greater mental stability. Ultimately, we want to get to the point it's called the point of shunya, a state of shunya where the mind is completely, completely quiet. You can almost see thoughts coming at you that they're so slow because the mind is so quiet and then you can make those thoughts stop. And then we ex- begin to experience the realm of consciousness in a very different light, so to speak. It becomes more like a sensory experience because you experience the f- that energy field as, as a sensory experience yourself. And then when you learn to play in that realm, 
to uh, exercise your consciousness much like a muscle. You've achieved a certain level of mastery, and different kind, and then you're able to do different sorts of things beyond the uh, beyond the activities of what we call the mind of the intellect. We begin to become more transcendent in our awareness and have a much broader and deeper sense of ourselves and our connection uh, with others and reality at large. Kundalini Yoga was the parent science of all the other branches ages ago. It took thousands of years of what uh, what we now call the people, they were, they were called rishis at the time, the people of power. So they had spent thousands of years experimenting and devising, uh, they learned how to make the brain become much more active and develop ultimately. Wow. So what you just said made me wonder if kundalini yoga and transcendental meditation are related. Well, I, I wouldn't say that they're related. I wouldn't say that they're unrelated. TM is one technique that was taught by the Maharishi. And uh, it, it, I, I, I never paid to, to be trained with it, but I know people that have. And essentially, I don't know if they now require that you sit with a straight spine, but originally you didn't have to sit with a straight spine. You didn't have to focus on the third eye, and you didn't have to regulate the breath. They, they gave you your secret mantra, and you would just mentally repeat that mantra to yourself. And then when you would lose uh, the connection and come back to it. So that was a very simple sort of technique. And a lot of people have practiced it. But there are, like I said, there are about 5,000 different techniques that are taught. Yes. Well, thank you for answering that because I've noticed that people recently are talking more about TM and I hadn't realized that that was sort of here on the East Coast, for it to be becoming more well-known, I heard about it back in, you know, when I was younger. But um, I just wanted to check in. I wanted to have my facts straight about that. But can you kind of talk about what the parts are of Kundalini Yoga? Because I know there's, you know, it's meditation, it's body movement, it's breathing. Yeah, the parts of it. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but... Well, there are... I wouldn't say an infinite number of parts, but there are many, many different parts. It depends. If you're talking about the yoga exercises, then they're extremely varied. Some of them are extremely difficult. Some of them are very simple. Some of them only involve flexing the spine, sitting sitting erect. We call it spine flex, and that helps to energize the body and push energy up the chakras. But with the meditation techniques, almost all of my protocols are practiced while sitting in a chair. Okay. And so they can have uh, different breathing patterns that vary uh, greatly one from the other, uh, whether they're right nostril, left nostril, or a combination of the two nostrils, or in the mouth and out the nose, or in the nose and out the mouth. And so those kinds of varying, various possibilities and the eye postures can be at the third eye, they can be at the tip of the nose, they can be completely closed, focusing on the top of the, at the, at the chin point where the dimple normally is, where you can mentally envision looking out the back of your head. So all of the eye postures have a different neuroendocrine uh, effect. Normally the, the, the one we think of most is called the third eye, and that stimulates the pituitary and it also begins to pressurize the, uh, optic nerve in both hemispheres 
So it begins to reduce the activity of the thought waves. And, but when we focus at the third eye, begins to, once it, we start to stimulate the pituitary, it gives us a deeper sense of self. There's, a, there's another eye posture called Ajnabhan, where your eyes are open and you're looking at the tip of your nose, the end that you can't see. Ajna bond means mind lock, so it begins to still the mind. And it, that eye posture begins to uh, normalize uh, and balance the activity of the frontal uh, brain. So all of these techniques are, are combinations of these sorts of things. And then you have all the different mantras. You can have hand postures, mudras, what we call mudras, arm postures. Uh, you can have movement of the arms in some of these meditations continuous movement of the arms, so the combination begins to seem like it's infinite. I'm sure it's not really infinite, but there's hundreds and hundreds of possibilities. If there was 5,000 meditation techniques taught, I can give you a sense about how variable these techniques can be. So it's not just simply sitting and meditating on a simple mantra or even on a simple complex mantra. But the mantras alone, there's hundreds of different mantras and each mantra is like a phone number in a way. If you dial 212 for the area code versus 213, you get a very different connection, a very different effect and benefit. So these mantras have to be understood as formulas. So I really think of the meditation techniques as different brain exercises because that's what they're really all about. Again, it's about activating the dormant regions of the brain and normalizing the activity of what is already active. So. Uh, uh, people are pursuing meditation techniques these days more to manage their stress and to help gain some sense of normality. You know, we are often plagued by the stuff that's in our subconscious mind, all of these old patterns, and that garbage in the subconscious needs to be cleaned out because if it's not cleaned out, it will just dump into our conscious mind and we get locked into these uh, blocks and limiting thought patterns that we have that lead to uh, negative behaviors, addictive behaviors, states of depression, and so forth. And so we're working from a very limited potential at that point. So the mantras help cleanse and restructure the subconscious mind, and then they help to awaken the higher states of consciousness so we can have a much grander experience of ourself. You know, the bl bliss only comes from within. It, you know, nobody can give it to us. You know, we like to entertain the possibility of developing a pill for it. And, of course, people take psychedelic drugs and things like that, looking for enlightenment or looking for happiness or looking for a, a much greater uh, experience of awareness. But those things are limited, and then they usually have their adverse effects as well. So, uh, you know, awakening the unknown within us is really what kundalini yoga is all about, awakening the potential. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering as we talk, do people, let's say someone has OCD and they are seeking relief from that, would it be recommended for the person to go begin a regular kundalini yoga practice or would it be that they work with a therapist who uses kundalini yoga in the, in the psychotherapy session or using the videos, for example, that you have as like self-study? How, how do you see that? Well, let me see if I can answer your question like this. 
almost everyone that comes to me has never heard of Kundalini Yoga. They really didn't have an interest in meditating, but they were looking for a solution for treating their OCD. Now, very few therapists have any training, even with my own protocol. And uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that. But people come to me or via the website and they'll just, you know, spend the $64.99 to have a, a DVD sent to them in the mail. And then some of them, you know, work with me at a distance via Skype or by phone or by email. So I consult that way. I've had people from India, from the United Arab Emirates, you know, from all Australia, all over the world. And so they don't need to go to a regular therapist. They need to just practice the protocol. And so in the DVD, the entire protocol is taught in complete detail for the full times. And then all the frequently asked questions are basically also answered in that video. So it's not that we're trying to get people to start to meditate in their life. That's not the idea. The Their interest is to treat the disorder, to eliminate the disorder and hopefully cure it. And my experience has been is that 20 to 30 percent, you know, if, if I'm doing a clinical trial, for example, we get in fat, fantastic results. The last one for the people that completed the trial was a 71 percent improvement on something called the Yale Brown Obsessive Compulsive Scale, the Y-Box, which is the gold standard for treatment, uh, for assessing efficacy of treatment. And people are normally lucky if they have a 35 percent improvement if they're taking a drug. So we did we improved beyond that by a two-fold difference. And uh, so those people, of the, of the people that come to the clinical trials when I'm working with a large group, probably close to 30% want to become com- completely healed. And then you have another 30% or so or 40% that just want to uh, titrate the disorder to a level that is acceptable to them where they're not bothered by it too much because they don't want to do the homework. But they'll do what they need to do just so that their lives are no longer miserable. And then you have another 20 or 30% that will drop out of a clinical trial for whatever reason it is. Because they did, oh, I didn't know it was going to be so hard or I didn't know I had to, you know, what these techniques were like, you know. And uh, So there's a, uh, a broad... Uh, response to, to, to taking this kind of treatment. and uh, But, you know, on the video, uh, on my website, www.theinternetyogi.com, there's, on the Purchase OCD video page, there's actually a publication that has the complete protocol for OCD in complete detail. It's, it's written and com- published in complete detail. It was published in a journal and it was loaded to the website in 2003. So they can use that for free if they want, or they can just, in, in addition, buy the video. But uh, obviously there's a great need for improving the treatment of OCD. Normally it's considered the most difficult psychiatric disorder to treat because at best maybe half the, half the people are able to even take a medication for treating it because of the adverse effects or that it has or it may have no benefit for them. So we, we need new formulas. We need better treatments, something that can ultimately be curative. And I've had a lot of patients cure themselves. And it's, it's really transformed their, their lives. And sometimes they thought they, they were really, now that they got into Kundalini Yoga, that it was really a blessing that they had OCD. Not that they really wanted it, but the transformations that they ultimately achieved 
or something that uh, they find rather remarkable. Their lives were so much enriched by these practices. It's not just that the symptoms are eliminated, but their their anxiety disappears, their clarity, their stability, the way their brain is working. It's, you know, let's put it this way, it's far more operational. Yes. I mean, I've done kundalini yoga and I haven't practiced it daily, but I definitely found that it was very beneficial and, you know, it it definitely was different from other types of yoga that I've done in a positive way. Well, it's very complex. It, there, You can be 85 years old and find a technique that will give great benefit. There are techniques for treating, uh, well, for anti-aging and longevity. That's probably my next book will be Kundalini Yoga Meditation Techniques for Anti-Aging and Longevity. W.W. W. Norton wants another book out of me, and that's the topic that they want me to write a book on. And my three books on these protocols were all published by W.W. W. Norton and Company. In 2004, when I did that first 90-minute workshop with the title Kundalini Yoga Meditation Techniques for Psychiatric Disorders, uh, the an editor from uh, W.W. W. Norton called me up and said, would you like to do a book for us? And of course, I couldn't refuse. So that sort of led to publication for me. There's so much to gain from all of this. And people at any age and any state of condition, I mean, I've published a protocol for psycho-oncology patients, meaning patients that have cancer. It's not that much different from the PTSD protocol, but that was published in 2005 in a journal called Integrative Cancer Therapies. And techniques that are in that paper are, there are also five techniques for how yogis learned to treat cancers in ancient times. So there's much to be gained from it. Yogis were far more evolved than we ever imagined in those days. Yes, it's amazing. And I think the bridge that you bring in addition to the practical work that you do that's helping so many people is that for people who want to see science backing it up, you've got it and you've done it and it's rigorous. Right. Well, actually, even before I started the clinical trials in 1976, when I was at the Salk Institute, there was a graduate student at UCSD, the University of California, San Diego, in the Department of Biology, who was looking for a, a research project. And I was actually at that time looking for an EEG lab to do a study to uh, demonstrate something that yogis knew that was actually phenomenal. It was a groundbreaking study. It was, it was ultimately, the paper was entitled Alternating Lateralization of Cerebral Hemispheric Activity and, autonom- and, and the Autonomic Nervous System or something like that. I forget exactly the wording of the title, but the study was about how the two hemispheres of the brain alternate in dominance. And the rhythm was two, about two and a half hours long if you were to average it, there's a lot of wobble to the rhythm. You know, we've all had the experience that when we have a common cold and we blow our nose, one side's completely congested, right? Mm-hmm. And then if we're paying a lot of attention, a couple hours later, it's the other side that's completely congested. Well, that's an exaggeration of something that's a natural rhythm called the nasal cycle. So we normally have greater airflow in and out of one nostril compared to the opposite side. And then it switches back and forth every couple of hours. So that was a marker that yogis had discovered in ancient times to help identify and mark the cerebral rhythm. So our two hemispheres of our brain, our right and left hemisphere of the brain, 
alternate in dominance. It's like having a, the husband talking for a while and then the wife is talking for a while. The story will be apparently, will, will usually be rather different. The perspective is different. So we have two computers, the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere, and they alternate during uh, both waking and during sleep. And that study was published uh, 33 years ago now in a journal. And that, that was my first scientific study in the new era of my life. It, we started that work in 76. It finally got published in 1983. And in that study, we also showed that if you force breathe through one nostril, you can stimulate the contralateral hemisphere. We then published a more formal paper on that three years later. It was entitled Selective Hemispheric Activity by Unilateral Forced Nostril Breathing. So I have done a lot of work. I've done a lot of what we call multivariate physiology, where we look at multiple systems simultaneously and uh, with high sampling rates. So we saw that all of these other rhythms, the rhythms of the pituitary hormones, uh, of the neurotransmitters, of insulin, and the cardiovascular system, they were all tightly coupled to the nasal cycle, this marker of mind-body states. So my second book, actually, that was published by Academic Press that came out, I think, was 2007 or 2008, was entitled Psychophysiological States, the Altradian Dynamics of Mind-Body Interactions. Now, that's a book that sells for about $250 these days, but it, it's a very prestigious publisher. came out in a series called International Review of Neurobiology. And normally, <clears throat> with these books, you know, they have like 15 or 20 chapters, and they have different authors for each of the chapters, but they asked me to do the entire book on it. So my basic science actually... Uh, is what helped bring credibility uh, or establish a basis for doing clinical trials. So it helps to support the importance of doing this kind of work because the yogis knew that the two hemispheres of the brain alternate, would alternate during both waking and sleep, and it was highly coupled to the nasal cycle, it was coupled to sleep stages, REM and non-REM sleep, and things like that. And that's how Yogi Bhajan used to talk about it. So I got into various different laboratories to do these sorts of studies with people who were experts in their field. And that uh, helped inspire others to think that, well, okay, maybe these techniques are what you claim them to be. And now there are protocols published for all the major different psychiatric disorders. There are over 100 different meditation techniques in all of my protocols when you uh, add them up together. It's amazing. I mean... Really, like encyclopedic. <laughs> sort of, yeah. I mean, you know, when you think that there's techniques for bipolar disorders, in fact, when I went to get a technique, I was expecting to get one technique for treating bipolar disorders. And what I learned was that there was one to resolve the condition in general, and then a technique for the manic phase, and a technique for the depressed phase. So I was, I was surprised myself, even after more than 25 years of experience with these kinds of things, that, that so much was discovered already. So my work, my life, is really just committed to bringing credibility and awareness to the ancient technology of kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan. Yeah, I believe that was in the book Sacred Therapies um, about the different ways of addressing bipolar disorder at different in different, the manic phase and so on. I was just going to say that sacred therapies, I think there's 18 chapters or so, and each chapter is a different psychiatric disorder. 
Yes. So let's talk about that book a little bit more. How can that book be used? Like, who is it for? Well, we call it a handbook. And in it, in addition to the protocols, there are uh, all the uh, definitions for diagnosing the psychiatric disorders. I had to pay a handsome permissions right fee to, to republish them in exactly the way that they were described. So I had to pay for the copyrights to use them. But they're coupled with the disorder-specific protocols, whether it's for generalized anxiety disorder or OCD or treating phobias or panic attacks and panic disorders or acute stress disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder or the abused and battered psyche. And the abused and battered psyche, there's 10 separate techniques that many of them could be used for children. And then there's a chapter for major depressive disorders, a chapter for grief, one for bipolar disorders, one for addictive impulse control and eating disorders, one for insomnia and other sleep disorders, one for chronic fatigue syndrome, one for ADHD and comorbid disorders, uh, one for treating dyslexia and other learning disorders, treating schizophrenia and other psychiatric disorders, and then one, a chapter for uh, treating the 10 variants of the personality disorders, and finally, one for autism or autism spectrum disorders. So yogis really knew a great deal in ancient times. It's just a matter of bringing it uh, forward you know, out of what was essentially a, a knowledge base that was kept secret until Yogi Bhajan started teaching it openly. So he wanted to dump the mailbag from the ancient times, stuff that had been kept hidden or somewhat underground, so to speak. Yeah. So with all of those chapters on the different disorders, are you thinking that people who are experiencing those symptoms can buy the book and use that, use the direction? Because I know in the book, you explain the protocol step by step. Right. So is that how it's intended to be used? Or is it for professionals and lay people? Or how do you see it? It's for either. I mean, a lay person, it's just like the OCD people that come to me, they they can start with the uh, the video. They can start with the publication if they don't want to. It depends on how easy it is for them to follow. Some of the sounds actually, usually if they Google one of the mantras, they can just get that mantra for free online. So it's, it's a very much a user-friendly sort of book, although the protocols are not simple. They're not always very easy, but they're very powerful. They can give immediate relief and benefits. And a lot of psychiatrists, clinicians, psychologists are beginning to learn these sorts of things and try, and they try and teach it to their patients, to their clients. So it's, you know, there's a wide range of, of things that are beginning to emerge now, but it was my intention to publish it where it could be open and accessible and be used as a handbook for people for a very cheap price. I think it, it, the retail for the book is twenty nine ninety five, but on Amazon, I think you can get it for about nineteen or twenty dollars. So it's there's a wealth of information there. There's enough to renovate, revise, and develop a completely new approach for treating these psychiatric disorders. Yes, it is. It's very accessible by having the book, the videos, and I know you have like a free portion on the Sacred Therapies website. It sounds like on the Internet Yogi website, you talked about the journal article for OCD is available for free. Right. So 
Sacred Therapies doesn't have anything for free, but it's so cheap to rent these videos. It's the, 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 uh, philosophy is ba basically for less than a dollar a day, you can have therapy. So if somebody rents, wants to rent the PTSD video for just 24 hours straight and view it as many times as they can, they cost them 99 cents to do that or $6.99 for uh, seven days, or for $29.95, they can do it for 30 days and have both a long video and a short video. The short video has none of the introduction material and uh, none of the explanations on how to do the techniques, but it has the protocols taught in complete detail uh, or practiced in complete detail, but after you've done done the techniques a couple of times, you don't need to have the explanation anymore. But I'm doing those techniques on the video so somebody can follow me, they can do it, they're reminded on how to do it just by watching. And then there's the also rentable possibility for 90 days for $79.95 or 180 days, for I think it's $119.95. So that's very cheap therapy. I mean, most of the time you can't go to a therapist for $119.00 uh, even for a, a one-hour visit. Most therapists are, are, are charged uh, much more than that, especially a psychiatrist. It's, it's, maybe it's about the average price of a psychologist. I'm not sure, but uh, certainly for 180 days, if somebody wanted to treat themselves on a daily basis or near-daily near basis or for a very cheap price, <clears throat> they can do it anywhere. They can do it at home. They can do it by a cell phone. They can do it by an iPad or whatever sort of tablet they have. That was the idea is to make it accessible all over the world. If you had, if you were in a poor country and 99 cents seemed like a lot of money, get 10 people together and they're paying 10 cents a day. Yes, that is very accessible and it's very impactful. And you talked about the results that um, were identified in the OCD studies. Can you talk about some of the other effects from the other disorders that you've studied? Uh, we haven't done clinical trials on PTSD or on ADHD. Hopefully we will. You know, it's very difficult to, to raise the funding. You know, medicine and science is as competitive as any other field, especially it's, it's like a business in a way. Nobody wants to see anyone else be successful if it means that they're going to lose a portion of the pie. So getting a, a grant through NIH is a super competitive problem. The, the, the study that we did in, at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil that was very, very successful, we applied to NIH 11 times in 10 years and it wasn't funded. And then essentially exactly the same study was funded by the government of Brazil because they, they had a greater need to, to, to reach out for methods to help their children and adolescents. And so this was one of the projects that was funded by it. So I think that that's going to make things easier downstream for me. Yes, and if people don't understand how important it is to do something about PTSD, we have the we know the overwhelming impact of PTSD on veterans and the adverse childhood experiences study with all of its information about how having childhood trauma can affect us over the lifespan and the medical costs that are involved in that. So that needs to be funded. It, yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, there's no question about it. You know, 
let me just add this note. When I was practicing the protocol to make sure I would do it perfectly when it was going to be videotaped, I used to think to myself, gee, I ought to do this protocol more often myself because it has such incredible benefits. It's not that it only strips away the symptoms of PTSD, but it brings about incredible mental clarity and stability and a sense of elevated self. What we all want is to be in a state of bliss if it's possible, and it really is possible. So uh, even if somebody doesn't have PTSD and they just want to you know, learn to manage their stress or to gain greater clarity and stability or a greater sense of their own awareness or expand their awareness, that protocol is incredible for that. The last meditation technique in it is a meditation technique for, that great sages used to practice to experience a higher state of consciousness. So it helps to elevate people beyond their imagination. It's very safe and it's very balanced. And it's, it's all done sitting in a chair. So uh, the, the potential here is just absolutely amazing. And the sooner somebody has an event, the more they have a chance of recovering more quickly if they use a protocol like this almost instantly, immediately. It's, it's, it's the kind of technique to have in a tool chest that uh, is uh, incredibly important, which reminds me in the ADHD and comorbid disorders protocol, which is also video on sacred therapies, there's a technique for treating a red-hot angry mind because a lot of children and a lot of adults experience a state of anger that is so intense that there's almost nothing that can be used to treat it except for this one simple technique. And it's, it's a chant. It's a, it's a chanting. It's a mantra that's chanted for uh, 11 minutes, not more and not less, and it tranquilizes a red-hot angry mind. And I've seen that be successful uh, not only in my own life, but for anyone else that's ever practiced it. So having these access to these kinds of tools, especially when they're relatively simple, you don't have to stand on your head with these kinds of things. Most of it, again, is all practiced while sitting in a chair. Yes, it's it's really exciting. There's no side effects, and it's just you can try it, and if you don't feel like it clicks for you, you don't have to keep doing it. Right. I mean, it's, and they're not expensive. Uh, you know, the, when you say side effects, the side effect is if you're doing it every day for a week, the next week you're not going to feel as good because you're not in as much a state of bliss. So, you know, there's a state of wellness. It takes a lot of work to achieve a state of wellness. So it's we're maximizing our state of wellness, you know, our, the expanded sense of ourselves. So when we do our homework, we benefit from it. And when we don't, we're back to the to a more normal state, you know, a state where we experience more anxiety, more depression, whatever. I mean, it's not that it will increase. It's just that you notice so much more benefit by practicing the protocol. It's like eating healthy versus not eating healthy. You know, we know how much better we feel when we eat healthy. It's not just about the, the nutrition, but this, the, the lack of side effects of cramps or stomach upset and things like that or the effects of sugar or too much of this or too much of that you know, when we're eating a healthy diet. So it's, wellness can be measured, you know, but we need to develop new tools you know, for achieving a state of wellness and a state of health and preventing diseases. 
This is just all so interesting. I am really grateful that you are willing to be on Therapy Chat today and talk about this. And I think people are going to want to know more about all the stuff you're talking about. So I know you have sacredtherapies.com, which you mentioned, but what are the other places where people can get more information about what you're doing? Well, I have the other set, website. It's called www.theinternetyogi.com, theinternetyogi.com, and all one word, of course, .com, and that's for the OCD stuff. But my my, I don't sell the books myself. They're probably best purchased through Amazon or, or some other place where you get a, a reduced price. But, you know, we've sold more than 10,000 of those books, you know. That's awesome. People can go to Kundalini Yoga classes in, in their neighborhoods because most major towns have classes. But, you know, for treating the psychiatric disorders uh, or just to help manage the stress, that, any of these protocols will, will help greatly. And so once once you get to the point where you start to learn some of the mantras, you can learn almost anything out of the book and do it on your own. There's pictures that are uh, in the book when they're necessary. So, you know, it's uh, a heritage that uh, I'm leaving, you know, and will, I think, be used for a very long time after I check out. I'm so glad that you're doing this because I think it's really something needed in the world. I hope you get more funding to do more studies so you can continue to show people, you know, how how valid this is. Well, I'm sure we will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> well, David, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. Laura, it's my honor. It's my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. And anytime you want, if you want to ask me to participate again, I'd be happy to. Oh, thank you. I might do that. <laughs> Take care and have a great day. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with David Shanahoff Khalsa. Was I right? That was so interesting. Didn't you think? I mean, who knew that a yoga method, which is so deeply rooted in meditation, spirituality, and breath could have been empirically validated for use with PTSD, OCD, all kinds of psychoses and depression and different mental health disorders. It's exciting, I think, because we know that the mind-body connection is real, but there will always be people who will never believe it without evidence. And now we have evidence. So you can find David's work on his website, which is sacredtherapies.com. He has his books there. He has videos on using Kundalini with PTSD and ADHD and other disorders and information about how to contact him. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. If you're not convinced that yoga therapy is the way to go, I don't know what kind of convincing you need between <laughs> this episode and my interview with Amy Weintraub a few weeks ago, and then my interview with David Emerson about trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga. But hopefully you are as hooked as I am. Thanks so much for listening to Therapy Chat. As always, please consider visiting iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube and Google Play Music and all the other places that you listen to Therapy Chat 
and subscribing so that you can receive all the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And stay tuned for more information about the app that's coming soon. I'm just waiting for them to tell me it's ready. And as soon as it is, you guys will be the first to know. The app is iPhone only to begin with, just because the startup was easiest to just get it started with one platform and I can expand later if people like it. So as always, I'd love to hear your feedback. Please visit my website, therapychatpodcast.com and you can leave me a message using SpeakPipe, only available apparently in the US and sometimes doesn't work on phones. But if you go to your computer, you'll see the green button and you can press to record a message and I'll just get an email with your message. I don't always respond back, but I listen to everyone and thank you all so much for your support. Until next time. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, I'm Laura Reagan, host of Therapy Chat, and I'm a trauma therapist in private practice outside of Baltimore. I specialize in helping clients with complex trauma related to childhood abuse or loss or attachment trauma during childhood. And I also specialize in helping survivors of sexual assault and childhood sexual abuse. So this is not easy work and it can be very isolating, which is why I created two online communities for trauma therapists. Trauma Therapists Unite is a Facebook group that is secret and only for licensed clinicians. And the idea of Trauma Therapists Unite is a community and space for support and sharing resources getting connected with other trauma therapists and building your own network of people who support you, whether they're local to your area or not. I've made some great friendships online with other therapists through Facebook, but not all of them are trauma therapists. So I think there's a need for a space where trauma therapists can gather. And then when you want to do clinical consultations, since we can't do that in a Facebook group, You can say, hey, is anybody available at five o'clock to talk on the phone about a tough case I had? Or, hey, I'm available and I would love to support anyone who's seeking consultation today. Or, hey, you're in my area. Let's meet for coffee and brainstorm about our work and share support and connection. So 
Trauma Therapists Unite is a free Facebook group. For that purpose, it is not for clinical consultation because we cannot share client information in a Facebook group. We all know that. But because of the isolating nature of trauma work, especially when you're in private practice, but in agencies too, it can be very isolating because it's kind of the nature of trauma work. So with that isolating nature in mind, I created Trauma Therapists Unite for us to gather, support one another, and share resources. And I hope you will join us. There is a process to join the group that includes providing information about your credentials. And all of that information is in the group. So when you request to join, you'll see the rules. The other resource that I wanted to tell you about is a paid membership community, the Trauma Therapist Community, which includes online clinical consultation off Facebook using a secure platform of video sessions once a month and more if desired. And groups are also available in person. So check my website, lauraregan.lcswc.com slash join for all the information about the trauma therapist community. Thanks so much for your support. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, visit Laura's website at www.lcswc.com. Laura Reagan, LCSWC.com.